This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 28, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. It's a case of a judicial taking of formerly beachfront property, and the Supreme Court went, according to Cato Supreme Court Review editor Ilya Shapiro, the wrong way. But it went the wrong way in perhaps the best possible way. And the case of beach renourishment may have implications for the case of McDonald v. City of Chicago, set to be decided today, the first post-Heller Supreme Court Second Amendment case. Some beachfront property owners, uh, oceanfront property owners in Florida, um, were losing some of their uh, rights of access to the beach and their their view, and in fact, the whole idea that they were had an oceanfront property rather than ocean view. The uh, Florida uh, state uh, program under the Department of Environmental Protection filled in some sand. Uh, there's no indication the beach was eroding, but nevertheless, they they created new beach land. Uh, and took um, ownership of that. The state said that this new beach that we created as an extension of your property is now ours. Uh, And so, uh, again, effectively, the the property owners um, didn't lose land per se, but uh, they lost uh, exclusive access to the water, uh, and the state can do things uh, on their strips that perhaps the owners don't like, etc., etc. And so they sued, saying that uh, this violated their property rights, Uh, and won until the Florida Supreme Court. The Florida Supreme Court reversed the Florida lower court and said that, uh, in fact, uh, this was not uh, a violation of their property rights for various reasons, um, and uh, I think uh, were wrong on the underlying Florida law. Um, This was appealed to the United States Supreme Court on the theory that the Florida Supreme Court's decision constituted a judicial takings and therefore violated the takings clause of the uh, Fifth Amendment. Eight to zero. It seems pretty dramatic for a case that seems fairly clear-cut as to what these property owners are entitled to. Not just eight to zero, but eight to zero against the property owners and against the position that Cato took that I've took in my amicus brief. But let me tell you, it's the most favorable unanimous decision against me that I could ever imagine. Because while the court ruled against the property owners, uh, they did that on the narrow grounds that the Florida Supreme Court correctly uh, interpreted Florida property law, or at least didn't uh, change the underlying property rights in such an unexpected manner uh, as to constitute a judicial taking. Nevertheless, four justices led by Justice Scalia's plurality opinion endorsed the idea of a judicial taking. Um, and uh, he said, quote, if a, legislator, if a legislature or a court declares that what was once an established right of private property no longer exists, it has taken that property no less than if the state had physically appropriated it or destroyed its value by regulation. And he went on to provide a test for the future for state courts looking at Uh, property rights cases for what constitutes a judicial taking, what to avoid. And he said that the government, any part of it, has committed a taking. Uh, That turns on, quote, whether the property right allegedly taken was established. So if there's an established property right that's subverted uh, by any arm of government, uh, that constitutes a taking, including, uh, in this case, would have been a judicial taking. Uh, Two other justices, uh, Kennedy and Sotomayor, uh, took the position that while uh, you know judicial takings might exist, the Fifth Amendment wasn't the right way to look at it. 
Uh, and any remedy could be sought under the 14th Amendment's substantive due process uh, provision. So there could still be a remedy for judicial taking, but you look at it uh, in a slightly different manner. And then two other justices, Breyer and Ginsburg, simply declined to discuss it at all. They said the court needn't reach it. So if you're on your scorecards, yes, the property owners use unanimously, but on the larger idea that's very important about judicial takings, we have four votes for... Four, two votes saying yes, but in a different way, and two votes saying we don't want to look at it. Uh, that's pretty good. So going forward, I think the uh, state Supreme Courts uh, and, and lower courts will be on notice that if they want to uh, radically change underlying property rights, they may well get struck down on this, uh, on this new judicial takings doctrine. Before we started recording, you suggested this might have implications for a case that, as of this recording, or I should say, as of uh, anybody hearing this, might have already been decided, and that's the McDonald gun case in Chicago. Yeah, strangely enough, the property rights decision might affect uh, the right to keep and bear arms, and, and here's how. Uh, Scalia, in the course of his plurality opinion, excoriates not just Breyer for not wanting to reach the judicial takings issue, but Kennedy as well. Remember, he's the one that said uh, that this should be looked at via substantive due process, which is a bit of a constitutional misnomer, a doctrine that was warped when the Privileges or Immunities Clause, our old friend from McDonald, uh, was eviscerated in the slaughterhouse cases. See some previous podcasts and writings. Uh, and he used in, in no uncertain terms, I mean, this is vintage Scalia, you really should read this opinion, because uh, he, you know, he calls uh, Breyer the queen of hearts and using how much wood could a woodchuck chuck reasoning, and Kennedy he calls Orwellian. So basically, whatever the Supreme Court might say, that's, you know, all that it is. You know, if, if, I, if I deem this to be a fundamental right to be protected under substantive due process, that's okay. Otherwise, it's not. And essentially saying that it's a virtual non-standard. So he's very harsh on the substantive due process doctrine. He always has been. But of course, in McDonald, he kind of liked it in the, in the right to keep and bear arms case because he doesn't like the privileges or immunities clause. He fears what uh, liberals might want to put in there. Now, I wrote a Law Review article called Keeping Pandora's Box Sealed, showing why that's, uh, that worry uh, really shouldn't exist and trying to mollify the Scalia's of the world. But nevertheless, if he joins an opinion in the McDonald case that is based uh, on the substantive due process provision, uh, we'll see that he's being disingenuous either in his um, Stop the Beach uh, opinion uh, or in his position in McDonald. And, and in general, I mean, Scalia, from some of his remarks on the bench, he's colorful and, you know, it, it's really hard to, to call him an originalist any longer. Ilya Shapiro is editor of the Cato Supreme Court Review. You can order your copy at cato.org.